mass exodus that is our young folks. Amen? That's a great thing. Love to see that. If you want to get the lights again, brother, I don't want them not to be able to see me. That's good. I don't want to rob anybody from that, right? Just want to make sure. This is a time of the year we do much thinking. We spend a lot of time reflecting. Uh, It is the beginning of a new year that we are often very optimistic and eager about the possibilities of the coming year, and that's why many of us, thank you, do a lot of uh, do some resolutions in the beginning of the year. I saw several different people comment on this this week. One of my friends from Michigan put on his Facebook page that uh, he, on his resolution diet day number one, he said, I have removed all the bad food from the house. It was delicious. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but best way to remove bad food, amen. Another person wrote, my goal this year was to lose 10 pounds. I only have 15 to go. So uh, we've probably been there before as well. As the old year winds down, I think it's wise to reflect what we have learned, what we could have done differently, and what we could do better uh, in the year to come. Now, both personally, I don't know if you can turn me down just a little bit. I'm getting a lot of reverberation here. Uh, Both personally and professionally, I believe it is important for us to uh, set goals for ourselves and, and that's, uh, to cast a vision for our personal life and, of course, corporately. Now, when you set a goal, you do not do so planning to fail. You do so planning to succeed. Uh, in fact, I believe the, the best way to plan to fail is to set no goal. A failure to plan is a plan to fail. And so uh, we want to set those goals and uh, those visions. This, the whole purpose of goals is to do better, to do more, and to be more for God. Now, as we enter into a new year, it's a good thing to consider uh, what is God's will for us this year? What is God's will for our church? What is God's will for us individually? Now, that might be as many answers to that question as there are people in this room, uh, as God's goal for each and one of us individually might be different. But uh, on this second Sunday of the year, uh, my desire is to set forth a vision for our church and to set forth a challenge to you for you personally to grow. You see, our theme this year is to the word grow. Everyone in here, everyone in the world has a comfort zone. Uh, it is a, there's a certain temperature at which we feel the most comfortable. There's a certain way of life in which we feel the most at ease. There is a level of activity that we are satisfied with. When we find ourselves outside of our comfort zone, we can become a little nervous. Now, I'm not saying that this is necessarily wrong. It's just a certain uh, way of life, just a certain way of living and uh, doing certain things and activity levels that we are comfortable with. And then there's, if we get outside of what we're used to, sometimes we call that getting out of our comfort zone. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that, but there comes a time in our life when comfort can become a thing of concern. Uh, it is easy to reach a place as individuals where we become stat- satisfied with the status quo. We structure our lives to the point that we can predict what will happen from one day to the next. Uh, the, 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 you get up at the same time, you have the same cup of coffee, you have the same breakfast, you go to the same job and just uh, repeat and repeat and repeat every single day. And uh, we almost like to structure ourselves sometimes like that so that we get out of that, we don't feel comfortable anymore. For many, that kind of stability uh, provides a sense of security and a sense of well-being. There's nothing wrong, by the way, with being content with our home, with our possessions, with our financial standing. In fact, 
The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6, 8, and having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. We ought to be content in that way. But when you become complacent about your personal life, your spiritual life, uh, when you become satisfied with your spiritual progress, you need to move out of your comfort zone, spiritually speaking. We should never reach the place as a child of God where I'm satisfied with my spiritual growth, I'm satisfied with my witness, and I'm satisfied with my service for God. We ought to always uh, want more, spiritually speaking. Now, to grow, to grow, you must be willing to step outside of your comfort zone because great things never comes from a comfort zone. Great things come from outside comfort zones. God places many of his blessings for your life. He places them outside of your comfort zone. And then he says, come on out and get them. If you want blessings, that's where you've got to go. You've got to leave where you feel comfortable. You've got to step out of the norm. And you've got to sometimes go into places that don't feel so good in order to grow. I believe with all my heart that growth begins at the end of your comfort zone and not until you get to that point. Now, not only do many individuals live in a spiritual comfort zone, so do many churches. It's very easy to become satisfied with the status quo. I love what Ronald Reagan said about the status quo. He said, status quo, you know, is Latin for the mess we're in. Uh, I like, I think that's a great view of looking at it. Uh, we ought not be satisfied with the mess we're in, our status quo. We must have an appetite for more in 2022. The sad truth is that when a church or a church family becomes complacent, that church slowly begins to die. A growing church is always in transition. A growing Christian, I believe, is always in transition in their personal life. So we have two options then, if that's the truth. Growth or stagnation. I don't want to stagnate. I don't want to sit still. I want to grow. I want to not only to maintain, but to move forward and grow. Now let's read, if we can here, in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, starting at verse number 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware that lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. I'll preach you today and grow. Let's grow. Heavenly Father, help us to grow. Amen. Let's grow. Let's do it together. The word grow in the verse that we just read is the foundation and the focus of our, uh, our purpose this year as a church. It'll be the heartbeat of our attention. Uh, it is our theme to grow. I hope that is a desire that every one of us, if you didn't come in with it today, will leave with it this morning, the desire to grow. In, in the 1920s, there was a young African-American child growing up in Cleveland, Ohio. His name was James. He was the youngest of ten children. He was the grandson of a slave. One day, a famous athlete named Charlie Paddock came to his school when he was in elementary. And uh, he came to the school and he was talking to the kids. Now, Charlie Paddock was known at that time as being the fastest human being alive. And so he came to talk to these kids and he was telling them uh, some things about his life and his achievements. And he told the children this. He says, hey, what do you want to be? You name it and believe that God can help you to be it. Well, little James heard that. 
And James decided that he too wanted to be the fastest human being on earth. The boy went to his track coach and he told him what his vision was, what his goal was. I want to be the fastest person on earth. His coach told him it's great to have a dream, but to attain your dream, you must build a ladder to it. And here are the ladder rungs to your success of your dreams. He said the first rung is determination. The second rung is de dedication. The third rung is discipline. And the fourth rung is attitude. <coughs> well, James decided to take that to heart and to do just that. He worked odd jobs for his family. He was the youngest of a lot of kids. And <coughs> excuse me, he uh, delivered groceries. He loaded freight cars. He worked at a shoe repair shop. All this time, he had a developing a passion to run. Because he worked a job after school, he couldn't do the normal track practice. So his coach let him come at the early hours of the morning and run track and practice and to, to start to learn and uh, grow in his physical abilities. He made it his main goal in life to go through the rungs of that ladder. The result was that he went on to win four gold medals in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. His broad jump record lasted for 24 years. He won the 100-meter dash. He broke the Olympic record uh, for the 200-meter. His name, his full name is Je James Cleveland Owens. The world knows him as Jesse Owens. Uh, spiritual growth is not an accident. It is intentional. You must intend to grow if you will grow. You must make the choice to do so. It does not just happen. Spiritually, let me just put it this one. I don't know how to put it any plainer than this and uh, not to be uh, harsh, but it is true. You are as close to God right now as you want to be. He hasn't moved. He, he, the Bible says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. No, uh, nobody, there, you can't blame anybody else for how close you are to the Lord. Uh, you're, if you're not growing spiritually, don't blame your husband, don't blame your wife, don't blame your kids or your parents or your pastor. If you're, you are as close to God right now as you choose to be. If you're not as close as you used to be, then it's time for us to realize who moved. God did not move, we moved. And so we need to get back to where we were. Now, a Christian who wishes to grow must climb those same rungs of the ladder. The first rung is determination. The second rung is dedication. The third rung is discipline. And the fourth rung is attitude. We must take the steps that lead to growth in our Christian life. Now, I believe with all my heart this is true. You are here today because at some level, you want to grow. I believe that. Else, why would you be here? You could be somewhere else. You could be in bed. You could uh, be taking it easy today, but you chose to be in church this morning. That tells me you want to, at some level in your life, want to grow, and we need to have that desire for it to happen. As Peter closes his book here, uh, he has two final thoughts that he gives us that we read here a few minutes ago. He starts out in verse 17 by saying, don't go, don't go. Uh, if you look at what it says, you, you can see, Therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Hey, the enemy was on the prowl. Wicked men were out there. Uh, the word for wicked here is athesmos. He's a, a one who gratifies his lusts. The same word was used in chapter 2, verse 7, when it talks about the wicked people of Sodom. The original word for steadfastness here means the to be in a firm condition. The idea is that someone comes along with some 
fantastic interpretation of Scripture and seeks to draw us off in his corner. And Paul says, don't go. Don't be led away. Don't be led astray. Someone tries to distract you from your purpose in life. Oh my goodness, is this world not filled with distraction? Oh my, oh my. One time I visited a garden full of beautiful flowers on a visit. Now I'm not a flower grower myself. They don't taste that good and so I don't grow them. Uh, but I, I do enjoy them. I like to see them, especially when somebody puts a lot of work into an actual flower garden. But the visit I had that day was not as pleasant as you might think because it was just after they had heavily fertilized this flower garden. So there was a lot of uh, cow manure and the rotting food that they call compost. That stuff's nasty. And uh, my dad uses that and shovels it out of a barrel. And it's just, it's gross, but it's good for plants. And it, in short, this flower uh, garden, which should be full of great aromatic goodness, it stank, it stunk, stinked. I was homeschooled, okay? I'm not sure exactly which word to use, but you get the picture. Now the same thing, uh, so the smell distracted me from the beauty of the garden. Now the same thing can happen in your life. The mess in your life, your difficulties, your struggles, your conflict can distract you from what's important. The Think about this. When you have a problem in your life, does it not often consume you? just takes all your attention away. And oh, we beg for deliverance when God really wants for us development. Bottom line is this. The stinky things in your life might be just what's helping you grow. Don't let it distract you. Peter simply says, don't go. Don't go. But then he says, do grow. Do grow, but grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. As Peter searched for just the right word to talk about here, I love the word he chose. He said grace. Grow in grace. Oh, what a great word that is. This was Paul's favorite way of ending his letters. And he left his readers with the thoughts of God's grace in their minds. Now, Peter would do the same. He said grow in grace. Think, friends, of God's saving grace. Oh, what a wonderful thing is that God chooses, <coughs> planned before the foundation of the world, a way to save us from our sins. God knew that if He acted in creation, that one day He would have to act in redemption, and He did just so. He made that happen through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is, is the Lamb that is slain from the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8. Oh, and what a price that was paid. He, we are redeemed not with silver and gold, the Bible says, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Think of God's saving grace. Think also of God's sovereign grace. Here is grace that overcomes all obstacles. Here is grace that realizes the wiles of Satan, the rebellious will of man. Here is grace that harnesses both the good things and the bad things in our life to grow us. That's an amazing thing. Romans 8.28, and we know that thing, all things work together for good to them that love God and to those that are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He says, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son. Who else but God could use all things in our life, the bad, the good, the sort of good, the sort of bad, He could use all those things to build and mold and grow us. What a wonderful thing that is. Don't just go through life, grow through life. Amen? Make that your goal and your mantra this year. There's saving grace. There's sovereign grace. Also think of God's sustaining grace. Here is grace that not only saves, but sanctifies. Here's grace to see us safely home. The path may be narrow. Circumstances may be against us. Dangers may lurk everywhere. 
But here is a grace to overcome all the obstacles of life, the result of which is a refined and purified child of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, uh, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I glory uh, in my infirmities that the, the power of Christ may rest upon me. Think of Christ's saving and sovereign and sustaining grace, but also his sufficient grace. Be it demons, disease, or death, Jesus Christ has conquered them all. Uh, Peter watched him do it, by the way. He was there with a front seat to the whole show. Now, what needs, friend, do you have in here today? Are they spiritual? There may be physical needs here represented, mental, uh, financial, circumstantial needs. There is abundant grace for all saints and for all situations and for all sins. Praise God. He has the sufficient grace. Peter had learned that God's grace was sufficient. Oh, you remember on resurrection morning how he felt and he had denied Jesus Christ three times on the night of his crucifixion and then from a distance had watched him die on a tree basically alone, Peter knowing that after he had promised, I'll never leave you, I'll follow you to the death, Lord. He denied him three times and cursed the name of Jesus to prove he wasn't one of them. And he's out. The Bible says he wept bitterly and he's in defeat and he's never felt lower in his life. And when Jesus Christ was risen from the dead and he told the women, or the angel told the women, I want you to go and tell the disciples. And there's two little words in your Bible that mean all the world to me, but they meant a lot more to Peter. He says, tell the disciples, and Peter. Oh, he had to love to hear that. God's sustaining grace forgives us for our failures, for uh, sees past all of our flaws. Was God's grace still enough for Peter, who's about to face death on a cross himself? Absolutely. That's sufficient grace. And so he says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This was the ultimate secret in Peter's life. The word for knowledge here is gnosis. There's actually three words for knowledge in the Bible. One of uh, the others mean different things. I'm not going to go into that now, but gnosis specifically means that it's knowledge acquired by learning and effort and experience. Experience, that teacher that eventually kills all its students. Uh, we don't like the teacher experience as much as we use some other teachers, but uh, this is the type of thing. But, because here's the dirty little secret, folks. Growth comes from the unpleasant. Growth doesn't come easy. I wish, I wish we had some giant app store that we could download things into our life, like patience. <laughs> just download it. Forget about going through difficulty. Just download patience. But there isn't one of those. In fact, the Bible says in James that, it, uh, that uh, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work of patience. Growth comes from adversity. I like how one person put it, adversity toughens mankind and the characteristics of the great man is not that he has been exempted from the evils of life, but he has, uh, that he has surmounted them. Adversity uh, comes, and growth comes from that adversity. I have here this morning three items that I wanted to use as an illustration, and uh, common everyday items that could help teach us uh, a simple lesson. There's some carrots, sliced carrots, there's an egg, and there's some coffee beans. Now, I, I uh, took myself and and subjected each one of these things to the same element of boiling water. So carrots, you know how carrots, you ever chopped a carrot and the pieces fly all over the room because they're, it's such a hard thing, you got to try to catch them and chase them down. The carrot, when I put it in boiling water, it's now all soft and pliable and 
mushy and actually it's pretty disgusting if you ask me. The egg, the egg is a is covered by a thin layer and it has a has a liquid center, but it's now uh, subjected to the uh, boiling water. It has gotten hard, completely hard, and and uh, so it, it reacted different. The carrots got soft and the egg got hard. Now here's the interesting thing with coffee beans. Uh, the coffee beans pretty much look the same as they did before I boiled them. In fact, the water hardly changed it at all. They stayed, they kept their form, they still, amen, they still smell the same, and uh, not, they have not changed. You know what they did do? They changed their environment. The coffee beans changed the water. Carrots didn't really change the water. Eggs certainly didn't change water. The coffee beans changed the water that was surrounding it. Let me ask you here, there's a lesson, by the way, it made the water better. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. <clears throat> you pray for Pastor Forsberg, who doesn't drink coffee, and, and Brother Kent, who doesn't drink coffee. These guys have a lot to learn about. the. And, you know, they're going to get to heaven. There's not going to be anything to drink for them. And so, um, but the, the, you're going to be like one of these. What happens to you when adversity hits your life? How do you respond? Are you a carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean? Because life, friend, is filled with adversity. We can allow it to make us hard and, and difficult and angry. We can allow adversity to do that. We can allow, us, allow it to break us down until we're soft and weak and defeated. Or we can make the best of it and even improve the situation. How are you going to respond to adversity? We can choose how we're going to respond. And by that, it'll determine whether you're going to grow or whether you're not. What a blessing, friend, if your presence would make the surrounding around you better. Wouldn't that be a good thing? If you actually improved the surroundings around you, that can happen if you choose to grow. Speaker Tony Robbins analyzes two people, one who wins the lottery and one who is paralyzed from the neck down in an accident. This is fascinating to me because I love to study people. This is fascinating. It, there will be exceptions, but as a rule, who will be happier after three years? And the answer is the one who is paralyzed from the neck down. Why? The lottery winner expects his life to change in a great way. But he puts all the dependence of the change on his circumstances. And go ahead, Google it. Young people love Google these days. Makes up for the brain they don't have. Amen? That's why you ought to respect your elders. We graduated high school and did so without Google. Amen? Went all the way through. But Google it. And you don't, and look and see the stories of people who have won the lottery and the misery that befalls them. Of course, they're, like I said, there's rare exceptions, but they're rare. For the most part, <coughs> it brings misery and it brings, uh, all kinds of hardship down on their life. One man that I read, uh, the final statement in the story, uh, he had won millions in the lottery and he says, I wish now that when I saw I had the winning ticket, I'd have ripped it into pieces and burned it because of the misery it brought him. On the other hand, the paralyzed person is introduced to himself through adversity. He rises to challenges that he never thought that he would face. And he comes to appreciate the good things in his life. He, uh, especially relationships, as never before. Because, friends, at the end of someone's life, as people look back, what do they appreciate? They appreciate the things they learn, and they appreciate the people they love. And so, I tell you, Growth is a choice. Growth is a choice, and if you make it, you'll be eternally grateful. Adversity can be our teacher if we let it be. Somebody said 
the pup when the pupil is ready, the teacher will come. That's not necessarily true for adversity, because whether you're ready or not is coming. Adversity comes to all of us. Those who are ready to learn from this teacher will do so and grow. Those who are not will not do so, and they will stagnate. So then the tragedy is not that adversity comes, but that it comes and we don't grow when it does. That's the tragedy. I'm told, I haven't done this, it's something I read, and this is what I'm told, that you can take two acorns from the same oak tree, and you can plant one in South Carolina, and you can plant one up in the Poconos of Pennsylvania. Now, 30 years later, when you cut these trees down, which one of their lumber will be better? Which one makes the strongest lumber? The one in South Carolina grows much faster because it's a milder climate. The one in uh, uh, Pennsylvania will grow slower because of shorter summers and harsh winters. But according to what I read, the harsh winters makes the Pennsylvania tree much stronger and its wood is much better uh, usable lumber for furniture and such things. Listen, friend, for the mighty oak to grow, it must sink its roots deep down into the soil. And for you to grow as a Christian, you must sink your roots deep down into the Word of God. You must do so to grow. I'm asking you this year, friend, grow. Grow this year. Don't just uh, go through life. Grow through life. If you read your Bible right now, five minutes a day, make it six minutes a day. If you come to church once a week, why don't you step up your game and come to church two times a week? If you've never actually been scripturally baptized, brother, get into the tank, get it done, and, and uh, be, on, be in victory for God. If you've never joined the local church, the family of God, get in. If you faithfully give now, then trust God and give a little more in 2022. If you're not involved in church, get involved in the church. Formulate a prayer list. Read a book. Whatever you have to do, friend, move on to the next level of your Christian life. One of the keys and vital keys of growth in our life is our relationship with God. From the moment we're saved, we must pursue a lifelong quest to get to know Him. To know Him, the Bible says, is life eternal. John 17, 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know the one and only true God. What will you do, friend, to grow in 2022? Grace, he said. Growth, Peter said. But not only that, he uses another word that I want to point out here today, Glory. The Bible says, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter takes his readers back. When he thinks of glory, you have to think of the Mount of Transfiguration where he saw all the glory of Christ uh, displayed in front of him. Now he takes us to Mount Zion in heaven where Christ is enthroned in splendor. To him be the glory. And he writes his last word. Amen. With that, Peter puts down his pen. We've heard the last we're going to hear of him, at least for now on earth. Uh, one day soon, the expected knock will come at his door. His time had come. He was arrested and sentenced to death by crucifixion. Terrible, cruel way to die. But the truth is, friend, that the end will come for all of us one day. One day you too will stand before Christ. Challenges like the, and messages like the one you're hearing today will, I believe, be forefront on our mind in what we did with them. What did you choose to do? Did you go, grow or did you go? What was your choice even today? Jesse Owens, one of the things he said when he was in an interview one time, he said the, asked what the secret behind his success was, and he said, this is it. And I quote, I let down my feet, or I, I let my feet spend as little time as possible on the ground. From the air, fast up. Uh, I'm sorry, from the ground, fast up. 
from the air fast down. I don't let them sit on the ground for long. I think that the same today could be said of the Christian. Stop planting your feet on the ground as if this were all there was. Stop planting or, or, or uh, putting your home here on earth. We ought to get our feet up as fast as we can. Live for something higher than uh, worldly success. Desire more for your children than a 4.0 uh, GPA. Shoot for more than just existing. Don't settle for the mediocre. Aspire to inspire before you expire. I'm just asking you, expect more and then grow toward it. What a blessing that would be for all of us. God wants us to be more than we are. I believe it. That's why we're here. If God would think you're finally arrived, like some people think they are, but God doesn't. If, if God really thought right now, for the core you've arrived, you're done. there's no more work to be done on you, everything's finished. You know what would happen? God would take him home. But he hasn't done that yet. So he's still full of problems, amen, like, like I am and like you are. We all, we all have him working on us. I'm just asking, it's not going to happen. Growth won't just happen. Determine that you're going to do it this year. Put something in place. <coughs> One year ago, <coughs> we unveiled our theme. At that time, was forward. We did not want to be trapped by all the shutdowns of COVID and such things. We wanted to go forward. And I believe by God's grace, in many ways, we did. Uh, there were some goals that I shared at that time, and I always like to uh, take a moment on this day to review the goals we had last year and then bring out some goals that we have this year. Last year, the first one on the list was we were praying that God would show us the right man to be our youth pastor. It was something that is definitely needed. We, uh, we have some great teens and we have others that need to be worked with. We have some, need somebody to be invested in that work here. And uh, I believe God did so and we have him here with us today, praise the Lord. I'm delighted at the prospect of what Pastor Nick will bring and, and Miss Gabby as they, uh, as they throw in their shoulders to the work here at Bible Baptist. Our second goal was a summer intern. Now, at that time, we didn't have any kind of clue about if we could find anybody. I had interviewed people, and, and I'd made two trips to try to meet some prospects, and we just hadn't found the right person yet. And so uh, in lieu of that, we wanted to bring on a summer intern. There were a few young men that we considered, and then uh, I called uh, Pastor Nick, and he agreed to come. I have to tell you a little story. Uh, when I called him to come, really, ever since he was here... Uh, 2019 with uh, Neighborhood Bible Time. Uh, I've kind of kept contact with him and, and uh, just really impressed us, loving the Lord as he does. And I'm not trying to build him up into something he isn't, but he just uh, wants to see God do something to his life. And, and so I'd always had him in the back of my mind. And when he said he could come to be an intern, uh, I was thrilled for that. But I was thinking a little more because we were looking for a youth pastor. And I forced myself to wait until he got here to talk to him about it. I wanted to. I wanted to call him. Hey, what are you doing after school? What could we turn this into something more? And so he got here. In one of our early conversations, I asked him about uh, what his future was after college. And it kind of turned out that he kind of was thinking along some of the same lines that we were. And he was definitely interested in considering Bible Baptist Church. Listen, only God could have made that happen. Now, let me tell you something, folks. And I really mean this. I don't believe that God sets those things in place for us if we don't at least set a goal for ourselves to reach it. God doesn't do for us what we can do ourselves. He wants us to be faithful, and then he'll do what is impossible for us to do. Uh, it, when Jesus multiplied the food, you know what the disciples had to do? Do you know how hard it is to be a waiter to 5,000 men and their families when there's only 12 of you? I've went to Texas Roadhouse or different restaurants, there's more than 12 waitresses right there, and they're running around like the chickens with their heads cut off, and they're going crazy trying to make everything work. Here's 
thousand families. And the disciples have to do all that work. Why? Because you think Jesus could have multiplied that food and whoosh, it could have showed up in a plate in front of everybody? Sure he could have. But he didn't because they could do that. So he only did what they couldn't do. God will want to do for you in your life what you can't do. But he wants you to have goals and meet, reach what you can do. I love that word in, uh, when, when the lady threw uh, in the Bible put, put uh, the expensive ointment all over Jesus and, Jesus. and of course, whenever you do something extravagant for God, you're always going to hear two voices. You're going to hear Judas and you're going to hear God. You're going to hear criticism. you hear Jesus. Judas was critical of her and Jesus said, let her alone. You know what he said? She had done what she could. God doesn't expect what you can't, but he does expect what you can't. Let's get back to the message. Um, bus ministry was our third goal. Now, uh, we haven't got a full-on bus ministry running like I, I hope to, uh, but we did need a bus desperately. Desperately. Could I get an amen? Miss Gabby. Amen. She rode with us all the way to Oklahoma last year. It was 189 degrees in that bus, give or take, just a little. It was hot, and we, uh, we were coming back home, and uh, we knew that it, AC was out, and, and uh, black bus full of kids, you can imagine. And uh, we learned on the last day at conference that was going to be over 100 degrees and so we instead of suffering through that we just were tired from a long day but we just all got in the bus and drove you out and we needed a bus I'm excited about and then a campus ministry that's moved more to this year that wasn't uh, realized as much as I would have liked to this last year but we will talk about that in a minute and then lobby construction we'll also talk about that in just a moment as we get to our 22 uh, goals the, the first one I have kind of hasn't changed I'm have a goal for a thriving youth ministry here at Bible Baptist Church. Uh, I don't know, when we brought uh, when we brought Pastor Forsberg on, just look at the a great improvement in, in the ministry that we've seen that. I'm hoping for the same uh, for Pastor Nick as he begins uh, and kicks this year off. I'm excited to see what uh, God can do through them. Uh, the second goal that I have, one of the things we want to see this year, we're planning an ARC and uh, Creation Museum trip. It's kind of geared toward the prime timers, but uh, other folks may be option to go on that as well. And so that's one that we're working on. And then again, back to lobby construction. We've got some quotes and different things. We'll talk about this more at the annual meeting, but uh, we have a bottleneck. If you notice, as we walk out of the services here, uh, after a, especially after a particularly full day, we want to open up that uh, lobby out there, move the nursery over to the side room where we can have more room and sit out there and visit and talk with one another in fellowship. So that's a goal that we have. And then uh, campus ministry. Pastor Nick and myself already talked. He's going to take some, uh, do some things, make some calls, and start setting up some things that we have more of an on, on uh, campus presence uh, to try to reach some of those college kids. Christ. There is a thriving mission field, 13,000 plus people right here in our backyard. We send all kinds of money across the pond. We're going down this week to give money towards church planners. Meanwhile, we got a mission field right here. I want to take advantage of it, and I'm excited about the opportunity we have there. Fifth growth growth with different sermon series and directives i want to challenge you this year i hope that you have the same desire in your life now on a personal note i knew as praying about this i've been thinking on this day and this message since about october and uh think about the things that i wanted to see and the lord to do and and one of the things i understand first off is that uh, if i want you to grow i must do the same and so I've spent the past month putting a systematic agenda together. I'm not going to go into it right now, but if you want to talk to me about it later, I'd be more than happy to share with you uh, some, some things that I'm going to do in my personal life to see growth. Uh, obviously, more time in the Bible. I'm going to increase my giving. I'm going to do some different areas, but some, some steps that I haven't done in the past to specifically grow in areas that I need to grow in. You say, what, 
areas are those. None of your business, but I'm going to work on it. Amen? I don't know what your desire is this year as a church member, as a Christian, as part of Bible Baptist Church. I think John Newton said it the best when he said, I am not what I might be. I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I wish to be. I'm not what I hope to be. But thank God, I'm not what I was. Amen? Now, I can say with the apostle, by the grace of God, I'm what I am. Yet for me, that is not enough. I want to grow into a better person. I want to grow closer to God this year. I want to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better pastor than I am right now. I want to grow. I hope you want the same. Uh, it must and it must happen purposefully. It will not happen by accident. You will not fall into growth. It will only be done if you desire and purpose it to be done in your life. To do so, you must take stock of your life, where you are right now. You've got to sit down, and I did this with a yellow legal pad, and I started examining myself from a distance. Where I am, am I at in this area and that area? And, and sometimes I didn't like what I saw. That's okay, because to do that, to grow, you need to see some of those things. Do an inventory of yourself, who you are and what you are. If you question about what type of person you are, ask your wife. She'll tell you. Amen? Ask your husband. They'll be honest with you. Portia Nelson wrote a, fi- a biography in five short autobiography in five chapters. I'm going to read you the whole thing. take long. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I still don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. It isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's habit. It's my fault, though. I know where I am. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down a different street. (laughs) Finally. Isn't that how we are? Finally. Figure it out. Recognizing your part in your failures. Seeking solutions, no matter how painful it might be, and then working hard to put them into place is growth in action. You'll only grow if you're desperate. You'll only grow if you decide to. I hope, friend, that along with me, you decide to. Let's grow in 2022. Let's make it a purposeful action. Let's decide right now together that I am not going to stay right where I'm at at the next, at the turn of the next year if the Lord tarries. I want to be able to look back and I want to see myself reach greater heights than I've ever reached before. I want to get further than I ever did before. I want to do more than I've done before for God. I want to grow. I hope that's your goal along with me. Let's every, every, every head bowed, every eye closed. The question today, friend, is clear. Are you going to go through life or are you going to grow through life? What are you going to do? If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, why don't you make that uh, make, make that decision today before you leave. But if you're here and you're a child of God, you're a Christian, <coughs> will you make the commitment along with me to grow every, every eye? Uh...